the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into our third hour this Friday, October 23rd. Delight to have you with us. 602-508-0960 is the number, and it is uh, your hour. Open lines all the way. I'll have a few things to say about a few things as we go along. Let me just answer the best I can the question that Alexis was posing, which is how come more Republican office holders, including the president, don't talk about Marxism, and there is a reason for it. You will notice that this is the first time in, I think in my memory, probably since Goldwater in 64 or Nixon when he was running for re-election with, uh, with Dwight Eisenhower in the 50s, the first time that a Republican has talked about socialism in America. The problem is this. Fundamentally, I think a lot of people in the conservative movement are uncomfortable with political philosophy. And I think it adds an extra step to talk about Marxism if you have to also explain Marxism. But because the Democrats have been so bold and so prominent in the party in embracing socialism, they have introduced the term themselves, whether it's Bernie Sanders or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or Rashida Tlaib, those last two being members of the Democratic Socialists of America, the successor to the Socialist Party of America. They have put it and set it on the table for us to use. And um, that has been of great benefit because we are no longer in the position of having to criticize because you can't criticize someone when they tell you what they are, right? If someone tells you what they are and they're proud of it, it's not a criticism to call them that. So they have given us that opportunity to talk about socialism, and Donald Trump has taken it and run with it. Marxism is yet another degree, which is what, uh, beyond our, uh, a lot of people's grasp, which is why if you listen to my monologues, particularly this week, I have done a lot to try and educate on where Marxism exists and what it stands for both in history and where it exists in the Democratic Party. Okay, where are we going to? Arthur in Phoenix. Arthur, welcome to the show. How are you, Arthur? I'm doing well, Seth. Thank you very much. I really enjoy your show. Appreciate um, it. Um, you know, the one thing I just wanted to bring up is all these local elections we have uh you know in our in city of phoenix there's uh districts one three five and seven that are up uh there are a couple of the um candidates in these uh these seats that are um not really from here um and um and i'm up in district one recently we've discovered that you know one of the individuals running that we felt was conservative really was not was being supported by mayor gallego and other liberal dollars and i wondered about why if it was possible to maybe have uh, you 
host a, you know, like a quick little uh, uh, who's your candidate kind of thing and, and you know, call in, ask these, these uh, different people who are running uh, questions. I know it's really tight and, you know, we're really talking about a week away, but if there was an opportunity to, um, you know, bring, uh, you know, a, a, a potential council member on and their opponent on and have one or two, you know, um, minutes for each just to, you know, introduce themselves and talk about what uh, It's not a bad idea. Well, it's not It's not a bad idea at all, and we can probably figure out the time to do that. Um, I have not done, I don't think, Bill, my producer, will correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think I've done city council. I have hosted Marissa Hamilton running for mayor and Lisa Borowski in Scottsdale running for mayor. But you're right. Uh, city council is important, too. And, uh, yeah. It's very important this particular time because, you know, we have such a left-leaning mayor and, um, and, and a couple of other uh, members that, um, you know, our city is going to, you know, falter and become more like these cities that we, you know, abhor. And we need uh, true conservative people that yeah. are willing to stand up. Like Sal DeCicio is a great guy. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, Dave Siebert is running up here in, in District 1. And, you know, he he's a great guy. And I, I just think the message needs to get out sure. to everybody to get involved in their own councils sure. to find out who are these people really. Yeah, I agree with anyway. you. It's, it's a good piece of advice. I'll tell you. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. I'll tell you, it's um, Arthur. It's it's there are so many races and uh, so much time, but it turns out more and more these things that happen at the local levels matter more and more. And so absolutely. you're right to suggest it. You're absolutely right to suggest it. And Thank God, you for everything that you do. No, absolutely. And goodness knows, if, if as conservatives we're going to keep promoting, you know, government closer to the people and local governance. Uh, we should be doing this. So I will take that um, advice uh, well, Arthur. I do, and I will embrace it. You bet. Uh, Bill, is Joe still on the line? Yeah. Hi, Joe. Hey. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Trump's uh, performance last night. I thought he did a fantastic job. I'm so glad he let Joe talk because that, I think, just put Joe in a tough spot to have to explain stuff. Um, my one critique, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, um, for Trump is he's a big, big picture guy. And so I think he has a hard time with some of the specifics on the spot. And I noticed, uh, last night with some of like the racial, the social justice kind of questions, um, I wish he would have answered a little more con uh, precisely why he wasn't racist, ultimately. Um, because I have, I'm a Christian, and I have friends who are, I'm starting to notice, are really being affected by critical race theory. And I could just see how his response last night would not satisfy some of my friends, um, their concerns about him not being racist and um so i don't know I, I i just wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on that um and uh i don't know and may, maybe i'm wrong maybe he did a, a good job and and my friends just are not gonna come around because there's other issues going on with them no i take the question 
I accept it. Um, and if you'll hold the line with me, let me take this break and do it with you on the other side of the break, if that's fair. Uh, can you hold with me, and we'll pick up on it on the other side of this break? I'd really appreciate it. Because as yeah, I'm going to break, great. As I'm going to break, I want to put in a word for our sponsor, James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. If you're selling your home right now and it's not going well and you need to flip that script, James Wexler is your real estate agent. Or if you're thinking about planning or if you're thinking about or planning on selling your home, James Wexler of JMG Real Estate is your real estate agent. He guarantees to sell your home at market value or he will pay the difference. He can also make you an upfront guaranteed offer within 24 hours of you reaching out to him. James Wexler is the real estate agent that sells more homes, over $500,000, than any other agent in Phoenix and Scottsdale. Give him a call at 480-386-0711 or visit him at jameswexler.com. That's jameswexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. I was on with Joe, right, Bill? Joe, thanks for your patience. Thank you. Go ahead, Um, Joe. Yeah, go ahead. continue that thought? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. please, please. um, So I actually called a couple years ago kind of talking about white privilege and racism and Uh the effect that's having in Christianity. Yep. And um, I'm getting way more concerned about it. Um, I'm seeing... Um, big churches with pastors who've gone to conservative seminaries um, starting to give in to critical race theory and letting it affect uh, the way they're running their churches. And so I just, um, I was really hoping Trump would answer that a little bit more clearly, and not just for Christians, but just any religious person, if that's a concern that they had about Trump that he could continue to hammer away on on how he's not racist. Because he yeah. kept saying, you know, like, he's done so, so here's my thought. Yeah, I take it. I, I take your point. So here's, here's my thought. Um, for better or worse, and you tell me where you come down on this. Um, I have played, I don't know, Bill, how many times? A lot. Uh, a five- or six-minute collection of statements, an aggregation of statements of Donald Trump denouncing everything from white supremacy to David Duke by name to the KKK over the past four years. In fact, going back further, because he said he was leaving the Reform Party in 2000 because David Duke was running in the Reform Party. And so even going back to 2000, I have played this audio over and over, as others have. It's not about me having played it. It's that there is something like eight to ten minutes of audio of Donald Trump denouncing white supremacy, racism, and that sort of thing. And the media, by and large, prefers to ignore and keep asking him the question to denounce it. And at a certain point... You think about this for yourself. Think about it for yourself for a moment. If you have spent your entire life in a major urban city, 
and have never engaged in, been sued for racist action, racist statements, racist activities. And all of a sudden, you enter political life and people start alleging that against you, even though you've denounced it, even though your daughter converts to Orthodox Judaism and your grandchildren are Orthodox Jews. At a certain point, does it not simply become offensive that you keep getting asked to do something and to prove a negative? And I think that's where Donald Trump is. For better or worse, I think he's had it with that question. Because no one can point to any allegation of racism, any action of racism. It's quite a thing to run a business as big as his for as many years as it's been around with no Title VII lawsuits against it. But that aside, when you have been active and donated to civil rights organizations, been rewarded with honors from civil rights organizations, and have that kind of extra addition to your family and keep being alleged as a racist or a white supremacist, it becomes exhausting and infuriating while at the same time your political opponent says the kinds of things he has said about particularly African Americans, has worked with and bragged about working with Jim Crow segregationists, has talked about the black community not having the diversity that other communities have, has talked about the first black candidate for president in the ways that he talked about Obama that dismisses a lot of other black candidates for president who didn't ultimately make the nomination, but neither did Barack Obama at the time Joe Biden said it, who has said things about black stocking shelves while Hispanics are serving as nurses and doctors. You have to wonder if people aren't deliberately looking away from Joe Biden and his party's actual racism to try and foist it as a desperate and gutter political attempt onto someone who's never had those thoughts, who's just never had them and doesn't think that way and doesn't act that way and has promoted minorities and underrepresented people throughout his career. It's, it's a matter of frustration, I think, to him that he has to keep being asked this question. Now, having said that, having said that, I will say this. It's incumbent upon anyone big enough running for the presidency to keep talking about it when asked about it in the ways that sensitivity require, because it is a flashpoint in American politics. But I believe the way he should talk about it is the way I just talked about it, which is to say, I will answer this for the 10,000th time. I will wait for you to report it the way I have said it for the 10,000th time. But please understand, I have been saying this my whole life. You refuse to report it. 
and you will not ask Joe Biden a single solitary question about his statements, which are far worse than anything I have ever said. I denounced it in my State of the Union address in 2020. Nancy Pelosi physically ripped up my State of the Union address. I suppose if people are going to shred what I say, then they are going to shred what I say. But it doesn't mean I didn't say it. But that's on them. It ain't on me. You know, I don't know what more to say about it. But for anyone who wants to continually allege that the father and grandfather of Orthodox Jews who has a loving and endearing relationship with them is a white supremacist, is insulting him to his very core and insulting the American people's not just intelligence, but rationality. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Thank you, sir. God bless. We'll be right back. Yep, God bless you. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Rob in surprise. Hi, Rob. Hi, Seth. Happy Friday. Um, Happy Friday. I to mention the bill, um, since you were starting a Clint Eastwood uh, film festival, I guess, at your house, uh, what is the movie that you're going to start watching next? I mean, I could suggest either Pale Rider I think, or... I think someone said me. Pale... It might have been you. I think Pale Rider is the next one, yeah. Okay. But have you seen uh, Play Misty for me? Uh, yes, that some years ago I did. Directorial... Oh, okay. Okay, good. I just want to make sure so that we can discuss It's, it's, it's a little movie. frightening. It's not my genre. I want to do westerns. Right. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Play Misty for me isn't exactly And especially western, in my profession, it's extra frightening. <laughs> okay, I got you. Uh, which is, I don't know. Kind of interesting. Anyway, um, I, I thought about that, and I forgot to mention that to Bill. Um, on the debate, I think one of the best things that Donald Trump had said was, um, I ran because of you. I ran because of you. I and thought that was a good moment. To, I agree. Yeah, and yeah. and I think, I think that really said it all because, you know, for 47 years, and, and not just Joe Biden, but all of these. Uh, 30 to 40 to 50 year politicians who have really not accomplished a whole lot for Americans to make Americans lives better and make them more free. Um, that applies to everyone. And I think, again, going back to 2016, I think that's one of the main reasons why um, Donald Trump won, because Americans are sick of politicians in general, career politicians in particular, and corrupt career politicians specifically. <laughs> At least that's my viewpoint. No, I think so. I think I think his two greatest moments last night were that one, and of course pointing out it's adjacent to that point is you had eight years. Why didn't you do it? You're all talk, you're no yeah. action. You're all talk, you're no exactly. action. 
I thought that was Dislike, really good. Yep. I thought that was too. Um, and also, at the same and, time, and at the same time, it's, I don't know if you agree with me or not. It, it, it's, I, I almost hate to say it. Um, but these debates, they're important for certain respects, but they're also, you know, they're evanescent. They're fading. We will no longer be thinking about anything that was said in them come tomorrow, certainly come Monday. I think you're right, and and again, I mean, with less than two weeks before the election, I mean, I, I think we, people, we, we ought to yeah, do it. People have already yeah. made their minds up, one way or the other. But um, one one thing again, along those lines, I, I had just finished reading a book by a guy named Doug Weed, who had uh, written a book called Inside Trump's White House. And what was his had, name? I missed his name. What was his name? Doug Weed. Doug oh yeah, I know who he is. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and actually, we had him on our podcast a few weeks ago, and, and uh, I read his book, and I realized that um, one thing his book does is it, it humanizes the entire Trump family and the friends and, and the people that were associated with his uh, campaign and election and everything that's gone on in the last almost four years. But also, I think one thing that really struck me was the influence of Jared Kushner on what we're seeing in the Middle East, and specifically the outside-the-box thinking that Jared had brought by not focusing, like everybody else had done, on the Palestinian issue. He decided, I think, and Trump agreed, to kind of go outside the whole Middle East and start working his way back in and eventually getting... Uh, what we're seeing now, and especially now with Sudan, and I'm sure we're going to see some more uh, Middle Eastern countries start to, you know, recognize Israel. And I think that's brilliant. You know, it, it's think, think about think training. about think about think about this huge paradigm shift. It's yeah. now it's 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 pretty soon going to be that you are the outlier in the Arab world if you don't strike a peace deal. And recognition exactly. with Israel. I, I got to take a quick break. You're welcome to stay if you want, if you have another point. Uh, either way, if you don't stay, let me wish you a happy weekend. But we have more time. 602 We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Rob, did you want to make a final or concluding point or thought, sir? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, last night, and both Mrs. Rob and I watched the debate, and we couldn't believe how Joe Biden got away with all the lies he had put out. And, yeah, the fracking part and all the other things about uh, Obamacare and how they didn't mention how many millions of people had their health care ruined by it, um, but but got away with it because the media doesn't cover these things. And it, again, in the book uh, Inside the Trump White House, um, we 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 find that these people are just busting their butts to help Americans, and the media doesn't even bother covering it, and that really bothers me a lot yeah, I know. because they're so biased. Yeah. And yet, uh, Donald Trump emerges victorious every single time, and I I think that's great. Um, and again, you know, we can talk about the Hunter emails and the hard drive forever, but um, I think more and more is going to come out. And I think most 
people are going to start realizing that career politicians aren't really helping the country and aren't following the Constitution and are not uh, doing anything except enriching themselves. And I think people are waking up to that. And I'm, I'm very optimistic, probably like you, that uh, the election is going to turn out in our favor because I think most people realize they've been lied to and misled by a media that has one agenda. And like everybody says, they're the spokespeople of the Democratic Party because it's the what corporate media complex, I think you mentioned. Um, and it's true. It's absolutely true. And I think that's all I have to say, Seth. <laughs> all righty, sir. All right. Uh, one man with right on his side is the only majority I care about. Thank you, Rob. Have a good one. I'm intrigued by this call. This looks interesting. Uh, Lisa in Phoenix. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Uh, I was reading, I, I just got a book on Winston Churchill. I didn't know much about him before, but he's such a fascinating person. He fought hand-to-hand combat in India and then in South Africa during the Boer War. He's just such a hero. And one of the statements that he said was, specialists are only specific about their area. So the specialists are running the country. And I really appreciate what our president said last night about Dr. Fauci. Said he was a good man. He said he liked him. He said we should not wear masks first, and then he said we should. And then he said we. He only said that because he wanted the masks to be for the hospital workers. Yeah. So in my mind, that's misleading. Um, if I were going to be honest, I would say that's a lie. But Dr. Fauci cannot run the United States, and I. I fear that is what is happening. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you very much. Yeah, let me say something about uh, about that. Um, I guess I would start by saying it's no surprise that the entire project of progressivism is the project of turning democracy. Self-government, that's a better way to put it, is turning self-government over to an enlightened elite or a group of experts. Uh, This has been the project since the uh, early turn of the last century. And we are beginning to see in sharp relief the folly of doing that which is why we believe in self-government. As conservatives, we know well what William Buckley meant when he said several times that I would rather be governed by the first 2,000 names in the Boston Telephone Directory than the Harvard faculty. There is something important about self-government that relies on common sense. And Churchill's right. Experts are very smart about very narrow areas in their expertise. And when I say that, I also have to say that sometimes they're not very smart 
even in their areas of expertise. I suppose some people knew who Anthony Fauci was in the 80s and 90s from the old um, battles over and dealings with the AIDS crisis. I wasn't paying enough attention to know who he was then, so the name was new to me this year. And I suppose a lot of people in NIH and at the CDC knew who he was for many, many years. But the truth is that he himself has not laid out a consistency of message even on this virus. The truth is, if you look at what people like Scott Atlas have said, or any number of the doctors now in the tens of thousands who signed the Great Barrington State have said, they've been saying it since March and have been far more consistent than what Anthony Fauci has said. And Anthony Fauci has been inconsistent. Oh, he's consistent lately. But when people genuflect before one expert who has been inconsistent and contradictory of his own messaging, you have to ask what kind of expert he is. And just as we may be fighting this as a society and as a polity, we have to understand we have not turned over our election. We have not turned over our democracy to one single physician no one voted for. Trust the science, trust the scientists is the mantra. But until there's a unanimity of agreement on what the science and scientists say, it's stupid to say that. And there is not. Thank you for spending some of your week with us. Thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. I was taken by Lisa's call and thinking about what Churchill might say today. And probably nothing so much as his speech in 1941, a year already into the bombing of London, where he said, never give in, never give in, never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, Never get in, give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. He then said, you think about where we were a year ago. People predicted we were gone and finished and liquidated. Very different is the mood today. Britain, other nations thought, had drawn a sponge across her slate, but instead our country stood in the gap. There was no flinching and no thought of giving in. And by what seemed almost a miracle to those outside these islands, though we ourselves never doubted it, we now find ourselves in a position where I say that we can be sure that we have only to prove, to persevere to conquer. We have only to persevere to conquer. That's the message. That's the message. All we have to do is persevere to conquer and never, ever, ever give in except to 
convictions of honor and good sense. Have a blessed and safe weekend. And until Monday, God bless you and class dismissed.